It's the Titterpigs, the RPG podcast. Am I getting paid for this one? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey listeners, welcome back. This is episode 25 of Titter Pigs. Welcome back to the studio with Scott and I. But before we get the ball rolling on our main topic for tonight, we are going to jump back into our normal format. We don't have any guests in the studio with us tonight. We are going to talk about what we've been up to for, what, the last month, two months, Scott? Uh, pretty much. I mean, we, we've been very busy uh, getting a lot of our... Uh, interviews down. We, we've been very great or very blessed uh, to have people gracious enough to join us on our podcast, and it's been interesting. And we've been consistent, and I think that's the primary reason why we know what number this one is, uh, without having to double check it. So, but True um, story. But, but yeah, so I guess let's let's start what we usually do. What's what's new? What what have been what have we been up to? And you know what's going on? You know games we've been playing, maybe some purchases that 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 we've received. You know are things that we're looking forward to get. Um, so I don't know. You toss the ball my way. I'm going to um, you know get the rebound and toss it back to you. What have you been playing? What has what has Kevin? Uh, I'm sorry, Keith, been up to? <laughs> All right. Well, Keith, the uh, the the real Kevin. I mean, my alter ego. Um, so. In, on the playing front, I have been playing in Roy's game of RuneQuest Glorantha, Six Seasons in Sartar, uh, with you and Pookie and a bunch of our other friends, and I am having a blast with that game. I'm really, I'm glad I'm, to be able to get back to playing RuneQuest, and mm-hmm. I'm really just digging it. Roy's a fantastic GM, and yeah. I'm loving the... Uh, the game, the setting, it's it's fantastic. Um, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, I'm enjoying it. It, it. It's definitely a different take and um, about about RuneQuest and Glorantha. I mean, I, we've you and I have played in a, a couple uh, runs of Glorantha. Pookie yes. uh, ran a game for us a few times. I played in others, and, and they were great. Don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with them, but this is definitely a different take on um you know the genre itself uh, glorantha and runequest because you're playing these these younger kids you're you're going through uh the um you know the processes into an adulthood and it's pretty intense to be perfectly honest oh the last episode or session i should say was wildly intense right uh but it it does lay a really good groundwork for uh, the appeal, I guess, is is the word I'm looking for. But uh, uh, the the rich lore that uh, is always referenced when it comes to Glorantha. Uh, but the 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 way this particular adventure is conducted and laid out gives you a a really good appreciation of that. It's not just here's a history book, read it. You are experiencing it. You are witnessing it. Uh, you're playing a big part in that, and it and it really opens the world up for you. So yeah, I've been been having a good time. Oh, I would concur. Uh, mm-hmm. The other thing that I've been playing, and I and I haven't been doing a lot of playing lately, just because of work and schedule. Um, I started running my uh, Delta Green Iconoclast game after trying to get it off the ground for the last ninety days. Um, <laughs> Wonder- why? Uh, well, it's because <laughs> well, Delta Green and Big Brother have uh, prevented me from getting the game started. But you know what? The hell with them. We got it started. 
Yes. Um, you know, getting it started was half the battle. Uh, however, I will say playing that or running that first scenario was was amazing. Yeah. It was crazy. Uh, I know you enjoyed it. At least mm-hmm. you told me you enjoyed it. So yeah. No, it um, was. It, it's let's good keep fun. it spoiler free, but yes. No, but it, it was it, it it was good it was good fun. It, it's I hadn't played an introduction such as that in a Delta Green game, and it it was very interesting. Uh, and uh, yeah, spoiler free. Uh, but uh, I, I of that introduction alone is something that I could say I could recommend. Now, not knowing anything else about it, because I haven't read it. Uh, if, if you're looking for a, I, I feel like if you're looking for something different than the usual Delta Green template, um, you know, and you don't want to run the gigantic impossible landscapes campaign, uh, this might be a good one to check out. Yeah. Iconoclast is, it's a different beast. Um, it does take some, uh, mental fortitude on the part of the handler to read it internalize it and mm-hmm. kind of m- do some mental gymnastics and make a lot of notes on how to deal with the logistical aspects. Um, I don't want to say too much cause I don't want to, I don't want to jump into spoiler territory, but, right? um, I've got a review of it on rolling box cars. You can kind of read it and it, it does keep it relatively spoiler free. Uh, but it'll maybe shed a little light on it for, for readers. Yeah. Um, wh- other than that, uh, before I get into like things that I've recently acquired, what else mm-hmm. have you been playing? Well, I have been running a game of Rogue Trader, uh, Warhammer 40K for my son and his friends. And oh, I'm I... out of here. Bye. I got to go. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and enjoying it. They, they have all entered the crunch phase of their discovery of role-playing games. Uh, they, That's awesome. I am also running 3.5 for them, so they're, get, they're getting into that, you know, that heavy heavy crunch rules aspect they're enjoying it it's a lot of work for me because i'm running it uh i'm enjoying it too but you know let's just say if you're going to make a crunchy game you need to make those rules easily accessible whether it be through your index or your appendix and you know and layout is important but statistically speaking and historically speaking the crunchier the game it seems the worse the layout is and the accessibility of finding those rules easily. So um, so needless to say, there's either to try to avoid the lag of the game, there's been a lot of rules uh, applied on the fly, some improvisation. So, but, uh, but they're having fun, I'm having fun, and that's what matters most. Um, aside from that, uh, we are in God knows week or year, whatever with, uh, uh, Dr. Mitch's Paul Michener's the enemy within campaign. We're running in, um, uh, on foundry and thoroughly enjoying that. That is pristine and epic chaos. Every time we play it, uh, it, I'm it, jealous. Oh, it, it's, it literally seems like every time we play, it is the cover of every Warhammer book you've seen with all the rabble rousers and the ne'er-do-wells and, you know, and the, um, uh, and the like. And so it's, it's, it's been an, an absolute blast. And, uh, finally just, you know, I, as people who, um, who watch my YouTube channel know that I've done this, but if you haven't, uh, I was at a uh, con in Los Angeles called strategic con. And I ran a really interesting session of the pin dragon, uh, quick start, and also ran an adventure of a uh, cyborg, uh, which apparently come to find out it's the first time it has been run there and was mentioned in a uh, on the Happy Jacks podcast. Not me personally, but the people there who were running it uh, saw it on the list and said that they were excited that it was being run there and wanted to play it. But they didn't because it was full. Too bad. Um, oh, too bad. So sad. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. OK, Um. let's let's flip the. The, the switch over to what we've been acquiring. Uh, mm-hmm. What have you either have, have acquired in the last couple of weeks or mm-hmm. are you anticipating getting in? Um, nothing really, really interesting, I would say, that I've acquired as of late. I'm sure there is. I'm just, you know, drawing a blank of it. But there's stuff I'm looking forward to. And the the cherry on top of Sunday right now is the Dying Earth by Goodman Games for Dungeon Crawl Classics Fulfillment. That uh, hopefully will be arriving any day now. I did get shipping notification 
uh, over a week ago that it was being shipped, and every time I check it, it says it's still sitting in Dallas. Uh, the 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 running joke is that this is the the last hurrah of Funnigan Games. Uh, so uh, obviously, it's late, even though it's a joke. They don't use them. Yeah, uh, I but, know. Uh, I was going to say they don't use Funnigan <laughs> Games, but their um, their fulfillment is out of Tennessee or Kentucky. That's right, Tennessee. Did I say yeah, Texas? But I meant is, Tennessee. Their their fulfillment warehouse that Goodman Games uses, mm-hmm. I am not a fan of because mm-hmm. you will get that shipping notice almost a week before you actually see movement on that package. It sucks. Right, and to be fair, there's been a couple times where I have received something and it still has said it was still at the shipping location. Oh, I've gotten uh, that too. So yeah. So, but I mean, anyways, it doesn't really you know that really doesn't stop the excitement. I'm looking forward to that. And that is definitely one that I feel, you know, it's it's all hands on deck. Stop everything you're doing. I want to sit down and, and run this one way or another. Um, and the other one is an interesting game that I uh, bid it on, on the RPG auctions on Facebook. Uh, something I've been looking, trying, well, trying to, not trying to get, but trying to justify the purchase of, because it's either very rare or hard to get. And that is uh, Lace and Steel, the uh, swashbuckling game by uh, Polly Kidd. Yep. And um, and her game is 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 well known. I mean, as far as I know, it's it's in popular. But uh, but the big thing is, is it, it has moving parts in it, cards and, and other things um, that um, uh, when you find these things online, it's either a reprint of just the book. So you don't have the cards, uh, which is another edition or it's one of those. Hey, we have book one and three and it's 300 bucks because we know it's super rare. Uh, so writer, it's missing cards. That's, I, I found a copy one time that I was going to get for like, say, said it was near complete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was missing like a bunch of the cards. I was like, ah, I'll pass. Yeah. You, 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 when, when people say near complete, you know, what, what, what they really should mean is, you know, what's missing is the questionnaire card in the back. If it's missing a map, a key component, or like even one of the books that, that some of these things come with, that's not near complete. That's that's incomplete and unsaleable yeah. or unsellable. True story. As far as I'm concerned. So, so yeah, those those are things that I'm looking forward nice. to. And there's a race on. I don't know which one we'll get here first: <laughs> the Dying Earth or the or the uh, the the eBay fulfillment. My guess is it's is the eBay fulfillment. All right. What about you? Uh, for me, I got two in in this uh, the last couple of days. The other day, I got Trophy Gold, uh, which uh, it was picked up uh, from a chain of generosity off of RPG geek. And I did not do the Kickstarter, uh, you know, the gauntlet publishing did their Kickstarter and I'm intrigued by the game. Uh, I, I knew a little bit about trophy dark, which is its parent game. And Mm -hmm. I was intrigued by it. Not enough to do the Kickstarter, but anyways, fast forward, here we are. I got a copy of it and it's, it's written by Jesse Ross I've got it. It's a beautiful book. It's a little mm-hmm. odd-sized book, but it's beautiful. The rules don't seem to be overly complex. It's got a ton of scenarios in it, right. and then like one massive campaign in it. Oh, like a wow. super extended scenario. That's they they're calling it a they're not calling it a campaign, but it's a, an extended scenario. I think is the term they use. Um, it's a beautiful book. <sighs> whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but um. Call- Call a campaign. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. Cool. It might be called a campaign. I, I don't know. I've just started reading it. So just just the one, because there's there's the trio of books. There's Trophy Dark. There's Trophy Darker with 65% cacao. And then there's Trophy Darkest <laughs> no, with 80, no, no, no. 85% so cacao. There's Trophy no? Gold. There's Trophy Dark. And there's Trophy Loom. something. It's got green. I don't it's know. Tr- trophy Loom. Even Yeah, I know. Loom, it that's it. No, I, I, um, I know what. No. I, I just have gold. I, I, I mean, I know what it is because you know it. it uh, you see it six or seven times a minute on the social medias, uh, being being you know um, uh, being shown and also yeah. being being uh, advertised and rightfully so. But it is right. it. You do see quite a bit of it. No, um, but I just got the gold, and mm-hmm. I, I'm curious to explore it. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see what happens yeah. with that. And then the other thing I got in as a review copy is uh, a. It's a board game. It's a historical board game called Votes for Women. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's by uh, it's from Fort Circle Games, 
Um, I, I don't have the box in front of me. I just have the rule book and I don't want to, um, get the, the designer's name incorrect. So I'm not going to attempt to remember it cause it's not on the cover of the, the rule book. Mm-hmm. Well, but we'll make sure we get it in the show notes. Okay. And, but it is a, it's a historical board game. So completely out of the, the realm of role-playing games. However, right. uh, it is a, a historical role or historical board game that deals with the topic of uh, the suffrage movement in the United States from 1848 through 1920, mm-hmm. uh, okay. when the 19th Amendment was was ratified here in the U.S. Okay, so uh, the company sent me a copy of the game to review to play. So uh, a friend of the podcast, um, Roz, we've had her on the podcast previously as a player in one of our AP games. Uh, she and I are going to get together this weekend, and we're going to play this game. And I'm going to review it on the on Rolling Boxcars. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Maybe we'll uh, we'll have to see if we can get the game designer on the show here and talk about it. Um, I mean, it's got some amazing historical documents in it, like replica historical documents. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic topic. It's a game for 14 plus, but um, depending how it plays. I might even try to introduce it to my granddaughter, who's 11, going on 12 or 30, okay. depending on what day it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's <laughs> uh, I'm I'm really intrigued by it. It's it looks like a fascinating game. So those I, are the two things I've gotten in this week. Other than that, I haven't really gotten in much in the last few weeks. That that sounds neat. I mean, be be it role playing game or board game or whatever. Uh, I'm always a sucker for handouts. Uh, you know, and the, the fact that she said it's got some, some cool historical, do, you know, documents and stuff in there that, that, that sounds really neat. That's, that's a nice added touch to that. Yeah. And it, and I, and it has no bearing on the gameplay, but it has a little historical, yeah. like read, uh, uh, reference book that you, you know, just to educate game players mm-hmm. and the historical documents that go with it as, uh, I'm not going to say they're props, but they're not in-game props. They look amazing. Right. Cool. So... Yeah, curious to check that out. But those are the two games that I've gotten in recently. So um, how about we switch over to our uh, main topic and let's, uh, let's, let's pound the pavement on that one. Let's do that. All right, listeners, we are back with our main segment. This topic tonight is because a listener had reached out to us mm-hmm. via email back in January. So we do apologize for our uh, tardiness on this topic, but <laughs> uh, we had a, uh, a listener by the name of Dwayne Costa reach out to us via email. So we mm-hmm. do read our emails, folks, so please do email us. Yes. Um, so before we tell you what the topic is, I want to read his email to you, Scott, and to our listeners. He says, hi, gentlemen. I've been a fan of the podcast since episode one. I'd be very interested in hearing your, you discuss the topic of VTT, so obviously that's going to be our topic tonight. Do you, do you use them regularly? If so, which TTRPG games in which settings do you use them for? Which games in which settings do you wish you could use them for but have found that VTT support for those games and settings is lacking? Mm-hmm. Personally, I would like to be able to play RuneQuest Glorantha on a VTT, but I found that the level of support needed for for that very rich and detailed game and setting just doesn't seem to exist as of yet. Thanks and keep up the great work. Uh, Dwayne Costa of Arizona. So Scott, I think we yeah. need to break this question down or this email down into kind of segments. Right. Um, Cause that's, that's a lot to unpack in that. It is. It is. I mean, it's, it, he does cover a lot of ground in that, in that question and, and that sure, email's not yeah. huge, but I mean, it's, it's a big one uh, just because of the, you know, the the current variety of, you know, virtual tabletops that are out there and new ones coming out every day. And and yeah, he he does ask a very important question, which I don't care who you are, uh, what virtual tabletop you use, more than likely doesn't they there's always going to be that one game that you want to run that's not there. Right. Absolutely. There's there's games I want to run, but they just they don't exist on any tabletop. So or right. virtual tabletop. Okay. So I think 
I think the first order of business is, do we use virtual tabletops? Oh, hell yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, I mean, for me, they're, they're, it's part of my GM's toolkit. Right. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Which ones do you use? Because I, I know we use well, some similar ones, but there's some different mm-hmm. ones too. Right. And 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 I just just like to preface this with, um, yes, it, it's it's something that is definitely that we use. But to be fair, and I think this is you know true of you and a lot of other people, my usage of it has increased tenfold due to the fact that we have established a lot of good friends that are out of our state and out of our country. And therefore, that's you know this is what has allowed us to play and continue to play with them after lockdown. So, are, are, hold on, mm-hmm. are you are you coming out of Anglophile in denial status? I, I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Piss that's off. what I thought. Okay, carry on. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the, your question was, what are my some of my favorite ones? Well, or so what obviously we both we answered the question: do, Are we using them? Yes, we yes. are using them. Okay, so and we. We are using them regularly. I mean, I'm using it for Iconoclast, right? Right. Okay. And we use it when... Now, we're not... Neither of us are running um, Six Seasons in Sartar, but we are playing via a virtual tabletop. So we are using them as players and we are using them as Mm -hmm. uh, game masters. So what are some of your go-to virtual tabletops? Okay. So... The primary one that I use is the one that's been around for quite a long time, and that is Roll20. Um, that is one that I'm probably the most familiar with. Uh, I don't necessarily feel it is the best, uh, but uh, it's it's comfortable in my uh, you know familiarity with it. Uh, aside from that, though, I have tried many others, but uh, which one, another one being Foundry. Uh, which is okay. a relatively, you know, you, most people know that this is a kind of a new one in the, in the virtual tabletop game, but uh, that one is widely popular uh, for several reasons, uh, but it also has some pluses and minuses. And finally, the one that I had been have been using the longest, but ha- not quite as frequently, is Fantasy Grounds. Um, right. And Fantasy Grounds also has its own pluses and minuses. But um, but uh, there's a couple other minor ones that that I have that I have used. But uh, maybe I'll touch that uh, you know a little bit later. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll circle back to that. Um, yeah. So for me, I use Roll Twenty quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do use Foundry. I have a license for Foundry, and I have an older license for. Um, oh my God. Mm-hmm. What is it? What's the one you 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 just said it? The big, the big one. Oh my god, I'm drawing a blank. Fantasy oh. grounds. Fantasy grounds. That's it. Y- Jesus. Okay, hold on. You are not cutting this out. You're leaving that brain fart in. Okay. Oh my god, I'll leave the brain fart <laughs> in. Thank you. Yes, right, I on. have a I have the pre Unity uh, engine version uh, license for um, fantasy oh. grounds. Okay, so you're you're not using the the new the new one. No, I do not have a upgraded oh. Unity license okay. for There's- FGU. Okay. I have the right. FGC, the classic. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, so, but there's he a does difference. also ask us what mm-hmm. games are we running on those platforms that we are using? Ah. So, what, what, go ahead, tell us what, what do you regularly use these for when you are using them? Well, okay. So, there's reasons for using each one of them. Okay. Um, and I'll see if, if, you know, if you disagree or agree with that and also Fair. obviously add on to it. So, First one we'll, we'll, we'll touch upon, is, it, I'll touch upon is Roll20. So like as mentioned, Roll20 I use basically due to the uh, familiarity of it. It's the, sure. one, it's the one outside of maybe a lot of the smaller ones that I have played with that I can get up and running uh, relatively easily. And also I do own some of the, um, the licensed materials that they provided. I do have most of the stuff for the Call of Cthulhu um, uh, offerings that they have on there. I oh, do I forgot ha- about that. Yeah. Uh, I do have uh, their Cyberpunk offering, uh, which I'll be perfectly honest with you, is trash. Don't buy it uh, uh, for, because it's, it, their character sheet is absolutely broken, and it's, it's a disappointment. Uh, I do own a lot of the 5e stuff. 
which uh, I was using to run it uh, during lockdown. Okay. And um, and I most recently purchased the uh, uh, Modifius's Dune uh, for a Dune game. I'm hopefully going to be running, uh, you know, in the near future, and maybe another bits and pieces because there's also they offer little freebies. I think I have the license for um, uh, not Morkborg, but um, uh, Mothership, which I've run frequently. So. So the reason for this, for those who aren't aware, is is because with this, they come, it comes with a compendium. It comes with a character sheet that's interactive. It's usually automatic dice rolling. And if there's anything that I need to add quickly, that's something that I can get set up and, and running within um, within Roll20. So that's primarily what I tend to use the most. But I'm going to also add there's a lot of things in there that it provides that I don't use. And so I kind of feel like I may be paying for more than what I need. So that's, I think, I think a lot of people are like that with Roll20 uh, because it's, it's, it, they have a free version of it. Uh, but if you want to get, you know, start utilizing some of the extra special things, you need to pay for it on oh, so years or whatever. So you have the paid subscription service to, to Roll20. Yes, yes oh, I do. You're a yeah. sucker. I don't. Yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's my one, primarily my go-to one, but to be fair, I would easily move on if, you know, for other reasons, we'll touch upon when we, when we speak about them and leave roll 20 behind, if I could gain the same familiarity with some of these other products. Yeah. I, I mean, roll 20 is my go-to 90 85 or 90 percent of the time mm-hmm. um i don't have any I, I no longer have a paid subscription i used to have a basic paid subscription that somebody mm-hmm. gifted me years ago yeah uh, long before the pandemic um i i never renewed it and i don't see a need to when i run out of space i just delete shit so i can upload new stuff for like iconoclast i deleted mm-hmm. stuff so i could upload new stuff right and <clears throat> excuse me that seems to work just fine for me uh, the familiarity of it's great. I do have some like freebie map packs and stuff like that. Um, scenario things uh, that Chaosium's put out from time to time and other publishers have put out from time to time. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I don't have any of the like paid content. Um, right. I just don't see a need for it. For that, I use Roll20 mainly as a it's a simple, easy way to quickly show a document or an image or as a dice roller. It is the Ooh. most accessible interface of all of them out there that I that I regularly use. Okay. Uh, now I right. know there's there's a there's dozens of virtual tabletops out there uh, that have that if some have come and gone Ugh. and this, this episode is not going to be like a survey, like a no. college survey course on VTTs. Cause we don't have the time or the resources to do that kind of work or the want or the want or the <laughs> desire. But you know, there's, there's tons of them that have come and gone, but right. roll 20 has always remained relatively accessible, even to new people just to have a basic dice roller that is easy and web-based and, I have taken new players and gone here, go to this website, create a mm-hmm. simple account that's quick and easy, down and dirty, and then just click this button to launch this game that I've given you a link to. And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You are quite in and do what I tell you to do in the chat box and you, you're rolling dice, whether we need a, you know, a character sheet or not. And speaking of character sheets, there's tons of free character sheets right. that work for the most part. Right, exactly, and I don't need a compendium for the most part either. No, I mean, the compendiums are nice. Now, the ones that, the ones that I mentioned were good to have. I, the by far the best one that they had out there when I was still running it was the the five E compendiums. Um, okay, and fair. I think, and because you know that's that's their big bread and butter. People aren't coming there necess- necessarily to play these little odd games or or things. They're coming there to play 5e, so they give that extra special attention. There's more bells and whistles involved with that right, one. Right, okay. Uh, but uh, but to be perfectly honest, their compendiums run hot and cold. 
Um, okay. And and you know some are good, some are okay, and some are absolute trash. And and that, that that's the same goes with their character sheets. Now the other thing just to 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 add to that for those who aren't aware, the character sheets in Roll Twenty, some of them are created by Roll Twenty, and others are player created or user created. So that's yes. like something to note. Um, yep. So yeah, so if you have a bad character sheet and they don't work, it's not necessarily Roll Twenty's fault. Uh, that is but, that is a factual statement. Yeah. So um, okay, so let's let's leave roll twenty in the dust. Let's okay. go. Let's go talk about fantasy grounds. Okay. All right. That's a that's a that's a big one. Okay. So for me, fantasy grounds. The primary reason why I got it a long time ago when I was I was beginning to run fifth edition for my son when he first discovered it. Uh, he's a visual learner. And, uh, and I, when the primary thing I was using fantasy grounds at the time was not for, uh, online play. Um, I was connecting it up to, uh, a monitor, like a flat screen TV, which you can do with fantasy grounds. And you, you essentially, you, you loop back the login, you log into yourself. And we were, I was using it for maps and tokens and stuff, uh, okay. you know, kind of as a representation, uh, so that's that's prim- and primarily what it was used for for quite a long time. I wasn't playing online with Fantasy Grounds uh, until sometime later. Um, I knew how to use it. So uh, literally a digital tabletop for your correct. son. Yeah, correct. Okay. Um, and it did a fantastic job with that. Uh, Fantasy Grounds, while not as intuitive uh, from a DIY aspect of, you know, like... Um, uh, like roll twenty, I feel that it's not something you can just open up and say, "Hey, I'm going to use it for a die roller." And, no, you and maps. No, not not the least. Uh, it does excel uh, very well for their licensed stuff. You can buy. They they are well known and have a wide amount of games. Uh, you know that that they have that they do. Traveler, Call of Cthulhu, the Modifius games. Uh, fifth edition stuff and a lot of the old school stuff. They they have yep. AD, they have D D. Yep. Yeah. So so they they do have a lot. If you're looking for to purchase something and not do it yourself, they're definitely one to go look at. Uh, but Fantasy Grounds does have quite a bit of a learning curve, and this isn't not this isn't just from I'm going to create my own thing from a user perspective. Uh, yes, because, I agree. Because a couple things. Primarily is its graphical user interface looks like it came out in 1999, which I think it did. I give it 2000, <laughs> but okay. Yeah, um, I mean, do you do you feel the same about it, its general look? I they 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 kind of upped it up a little bit with the Unity, but not a lot. Yeah, the classic is a little more like 1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the FGU, the Unities, like, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, <laughs> you know, maybe like Netscape kind of vibe in some right. ways. So, yeah. so what, one has a mullet, the other one has frosted tips, but it's still very dated. Yes, um. very dated. <laughs> um, you know, for a, for Unity is, is, and I'm not a computer geeky guy, right? Right. But right. Unity is supposedly like the the engine that drives a lot of the modern high-end video games. Mm. And mm-hmm. it if that's the case, why is it that the interface, the the GUI, the graphic user interface looks like in some ways like an old Netscape, <laughs> you know, web browser. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um it's it, it is one of those cases where even though it looks bad and like I said there is a bit it of works. a learning curve it, it works and it, and it works and it, well you can do all kinds well. of great stuff because I've mm-hmm. used it like I said right I have a classic license yeah and I bought a bunch of the 5e D&D books and Tomb mm-hmm. of Annihilation because I was going to run it for a bunch of you know online folks that were yeah. friends of mine and and I and I bought all this stuff mm-hmm. some of the core books and the things that I needed to run it yeah. Um and the package that I bought, like the Tomb of Annihilation package works great. Like all yeah. the maps work and 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 all of the stuff is fully integrated and it's beautiful and everything works well together. 
mm-hmm. and the character sheets and the books and all of that stuff is fully integrated far better than say roll 20 right in my opinion right take that for what it's worth but the learning curve from a game master's perspective and from my player's perspective I've been cuz I've been a player using mm-hmm. it and I've been and I've had to like educate my players and this is why I kind of stopped using it because the game right. fizzled out and I just never wanted to go back to using it. So I, I've spent my money and threw it away. Right. Mm-hmm. But the learning curve is damn near vertical. Yeah. You know, it is damn near vertical. Yeah. It's it's frustratingly difficult to learn it. There's so many nuanced things like when you click on a on a on an opponent and and then like highlight yourself on the tracker, you're targeting them. But you can do all kinds of like these little nuanced things, but only if you know to click this, followed by that, followed by this, right. and then turn around three times, stand on your head in a corner, and fart out of your ear. It'll, you know, puff the magic dragon appears. I mean, kind of stuff. Right. Um, it was just frustrating. And I mean, I still have my license. It doesn't go away. Right. But. Yeah. Meh. And. And there's one other big issue with um, with Fantasy Grounds, and I want to see if you can guess what it is. Um, let me know if you're... Go ahead. Well, either it's the hefty one-time price or the monthly cost. N- uh, no. And, and okay. to, be, to be honest, the healthy one-time cost is a bit much, but they do have sales frequently, and at least sure. you're not... You're not paying in perpetuity like you are with with Roll Twenty. Fair, but it's the way you connect. Oh and Jesus! That is one of the reasons why so many people, I want to say, begrudgingly stick with something like Roll Twenty, even though there's more options for things like that. Uh, but Roll Twenty, yes. bra- Roll Twenty's browser based, but the F- Fantasy Grounds is a client based product, meaning. Yes. You are connecting from computer to computer. Um, which it's very is, 1990. Right. And, and which it's is a fine. land party all over again, in, yeah. a, in a sense. And you are fine if until five, five of the people playing your game has, have great internet, but that one person is still on an ISDN line and it messes up the whole game. Or even worse, if you want to host a game and nobody can connect to it. Now, right. My problem was mm-hmm. when I was getting it f- set up the first time, I had firewall issues like through my right. router, like mechanical firewall issues, and I had to do pass-throughs and all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. and it took forever to get it sorted out. Once I got it sorted out, it worked fine. Right. Um, right. And they fixed some of that slightly uh, in um, in the newer version, but it's still it's still it's still not a cloud-based product per se uh it and and so and that's 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 a big problem um if if, you know because it's just anything browser-based is going to run better no matter what and that's just that's just how how it is so um but yeah but you know not to drag fantasy grounds through the mud i do like them uh i do too i mean once you see the matrix see through the matrix it's, it's it's okay uh, and and I will give them um, you know full accolades for the licensed role playing game products that they have. It, it and and the fact that it's it's done with people who love the game, love the industry. It's not just a bunch of programmers who are given a task and say make this, get it done now. Uh, the and they work. Who, and they work. And the people yeah. who work for them, they're gamers. They're people who play role playing games, and they're doing this because they want people to enjoy it. So right. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so we'll leave that one behind us now. Let's go talk okay. about the third one that we both use on a regular basis, and that's going to be Foundry, the new tabletop simulator. Games. Oh wait, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, really? Hold on, uh, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Go fuck yourself. No. Okay. Just kidding. Yes. Um. No. Foundry. Foundry. Um, yes. I'll lead in just because okay. I have. So going back to our listeners' question, right? Mm-hmm. I use Foundry. I have several paid Foundry modules that I have uh, that right. I've acquired, purchased, uh, some via Kickstarter, some that I've gone out and purchased mm-hmm. uh, for free league products. 
So right. I have Forbidden Lands. I have uh, not Mutant Year Zero, Twilight Two Thousand, mm-hmm. and then I have some of the unofficial ones, the fan created ones. Yes, the, um, I guess they're not licensed, um, right? And the the licensed ones that are for Foundry work amazingly well. Uh, oh, I have God, Pirate Borg yes. as well. God, I purchased yes, they that do. one. They work just like Fantasy Grounds. Uh, they work amazingly well because and they're mm-hmm. well supported. However, they the issue that I have with Fantasy Grounds is that it Foundry. is and sorry, yes, yeah. Foundry okay. <laughs> is that that it has some similarities to Fantasy Grounds. That if you are not running it through a cloud server. Mm-hmm. Which is an option for connectivity issues, right? A paid it option then becomes client based, right? Um, and then you can run into the issues of connectivity going through your router, which you firewall did. issues, both software and mechanical issues, which I had to sort out. Right. Um, and I got it sorted, but you know those are things that people contend with, right? Uh, or if you have slow internet, people can't connect to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the software, you know, or it doesn't run well, and then people have connectivity issues to you, and then you need to run through through one of the their recommended um, cloud servers that they, you know, then that costs you a subscription. Right. But what I do like is that it's a one time fifty dollar plus, you know, if you're an overseas, there's VAT tax or whatever. But it, but it's fifty dollar one time license cost, mm-hmm. and then you own it in perpetuity. But the downside is. Unless you are using a uh, using a paid module from a supported publisher, the software is constantly being updated. Right. The base software is constantly being updated, which is a good thing. It's right. it's well supported by the by the creator and his in their team. But the modules need to be re- updated regularly. Right. You, by you, their teams. And then there's lots of support modules that do lots of they're fan created, user right. bait, you know, user created that do lots of different things. Funky mm-hmm. dice, weather, all kinds of other things. And sometimes you have compatibility issues with those secondary, like third party products. They'll break. Yeah, they break. Yeah. Yeah. Um so the good, the bad, the ugly. But I, I love Foundry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I I agree. I, I think out of all of them. The off-the-shelf products that they provide, and I'll, you know, classic example is you know the Warhammer game that that I'm playing in uh, with Doctor Mitch. Yep. Uh, that is a Foundry module, and out of all of them, is the absolutely most intuitive. All of them are. I have you know I have stuff from um, you know many many of them from Cubicle Seven. Uh, so you load that up in the Foundry, and it doesn't take much to you know, make your way through it. it it's fairly right. intuitive. Uh, and they're always beautiful, always well-produced, and they always do an excellent job, which which tells you that this foundation is excellent. But I think maybe you and other people have found, if I just want to create a game on my own on the fly in Foundry, it suffers the same thing that Fantasy Grounds does. It's not really something that you can just open up and slap something down and get up and running in yeah. an hour or something like that. Uh, it's, it's a bit, um, it's a bit of a, uh, uh, a struggle. It's not, a, not as intuitive, you know, if, if, if you, I mean, if you're using it for a die roller, fine. But I mean, you can get a free die roller on Google, uh, but, or you can just use roll 20. Exactly. So, which is web, you know, web based or browser based and has super easy connectivity. To right. It. Right. But I mean, but um, it is one of those where I, I'm coming from a Luddite position because I haven't spent a lot of time with it yet. And I do feel that if I actually, you know, you know, bite my bottom lip and give it the, you know, you know, good old college try, I might find myself using it more for running my own games. Uh, if I can just get over that, that learning curve. I, I mean, I have tinkered with it. Mm-hmm. Just playing around with it, and I have found it to be relatively easy mm-hmm. um, working with basic things. Like if I had to build a character sheet from scratch, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. But See. if I had a basic, if somebody had already built a basic, um, 
foundational character sheet for a game that I wanted to run. Right. And, and I just needed to add maps as scenes and handouts in the journal and then make them available to players. Then that was, that wasn't so difficult. Right. Okay. So far easier than doing it in fantasy grounds. I'll tell you that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and I do feel, even though roll 20 has recently updated their things, uh, you know, they allow you to have PDFs as handouts and whatnot. Yep. I have, I, I just tested figured that, that out. out. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I do find that that it is more in, it, it is more intuitive in that regards. It's when you start getting into other aspects of it, uh, sure. You know, I, especially you know, and, and this is a big one for all of them. I mean, let, let's be honest. There's there's two big there's two big issues with with the top three that if they or even another another virtual tabletop that came out was able to do these two things better than them. It's it's the it's the accessibility and ease of use of creating a map. Okay, uh, yeah, I agree. And the accessibility and ease of use in creating a character sheet. Uh, two of these uh, pretty much require you to have a high degree of technical aptitude in order to make a character sheet. Roll twenty being the top of that, I feel. Uh, and then, you know, in fantasy grounds, I have no idea how to do that. Uh, and, and foundry, which you can kind of do, but you, you do it, you can do it better than roll 20, but they're all just these, these basic things. You're, you're not going to be able to get your favorite game and make your own workable character sheet without a lot of technical aptitude or wait for someone to make it for you or ask them to do it. If you know somebody, um, so yeah, and, and and I think the one I think the big one is is the character sheet. If let's just take for example, Morkborg, um, you know, relatively simple. Uh, there are you know special things, but everyone wants to be able to at least either be able to fill in a character sheet with the necessary information they want, um, right. not not have to you know, um, or better yet, have something that is somewhat interactive, meaning that. Unless it's some complicated, you know, freaky game that uses all sorts of complex roles and resolutions, to have this resolution be resolved easy and you know simply by just clicking something on your character sheet. Yeah. Um. And 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 even better, you know, the actual licensed character sheet on there to make it look nice and right. pretty. So um, that that goes into a mm-hmm. question that um our listener Dwayne asked us. Yes. So. Which games and settings do we wish we could use a virtual t- uh, a, a VTT for? So what one game do you wish you could get on any one of these VTTs that doesn't exist right now? Let's Ooh. narrow it down to one. Ooh, I know hard. it's tough. I got mine, but there's, there's, there's plenty out there that kind of do it. Um, I, I think I might be better... If saying if there's if there's one out there that would do it right, so why don't you start while I think about it? If I could get a an official Delta Green licensed product on say Foundry, mm-hmm. I would be uber happy. Right. Yeah. Okay. So Arc Dream, if you're listening, that's what I want for Christmas this year. Right. And an actual because Foundry- there's an unofficial yeah. Delta Green one there, but meh. I, and some of those are okay, and some of them are. Yeah, let's, let's, I'll but be I would honest. like an. Keith would like an official one. More so, Kevin um, would like an official one. Hmm. So, what one would Scott like? Fuck, God, I. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, all the games that I like, there's really not one that's non-existent. Um, as an official licensed one. Oh no! I I mean, on, on your preferred platform okay so let me think so i mean my my biggest games are dungeon crawl classics which which is actually available on several platforms okay uh call of cthulhu which is available on several of the platforms um obviously you mentioned delta green but i'm not going to take that one um oh god uh mork borg even has its own thing on a couple of the platforms um i mean it would almost be like something old school, um, you know, something that's that's non-existent. Like, like you know, 
and it's not even official because it's not even licensed anymore, but like, you know, Stormbringer or some of these other, some of these old games that I would like to, to be able to play. Fair. Um, but, um, but yeah, but I mean, so, so example of the ones that, that we have that are okay, but they're broken. Like the Call of Cthulhu one for Roll20, the character sheet's fucked. The compendium has blank points in it uh, when you go to reference certain things. And, you know, if, and, you know, for all the, all the nice things, what if you could have it on um, Foundry? Cause it doesn't exist on Foundry as an official one. There you go. I, I think, you know, Foundry, cause it's, it's a, the, the official one on, um, on fantasy grounds is superb and, uh, you know, just comprehensive. But if, if, if we could get, if we could get officially licensed Chaosium stuff on Foundry, That'd be great. Not just Call of Cthulhu, but their other stuff. Rivers of London, you know, kind of, kind of what Modifius does with, um, uh, with Roll Twenty and what Cubicle Seven does with right. uh, with Foundry. Just they have everything and anything on there. Uh, I think, yeah, there you go. I, 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 okay. I, I would like to see uh, Chaosium stuff on the, you know, the third one of the top three. That would be okay. fantastic. So let's but, let's let's address um, mm-hmm. Dwayne's last question. Okay is or his comment actually where he says he would he would love to be able to play RuneQuest Glorantha on a VTT uh-huh. but he has not found one um that pretty much exists yet. Oh, so well. I think I can answer this one for him. Yes. Uh so Dwayne, uh hopefully you're listening still. Um <clears throat> you've made it through the episode this far. Um good news is hopefully it'll already be out by the time you hear this episode. But if not, uh, there is a RQG um, VTT in the works or interface in the works for, uh, I believe it's going to be Fantasy Grounds. And uh, Scott and I are both well aware of it. Um, The gentleman that is doing all of the coding for it and the graphic interface is plastering it all over his uh, visuals of it all over Twitter Mm -hmm. in the last several months. So I know he's working on... The starter box set right now. I don't know what other things he's done or has not done yet, or what mm-hmm. he's contractually or contracted to do with uh, for Chaosium. But I know it's in the works. Right. Yeah. No. It's 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 exciting. And if there's anything that's going to make me pick up Fantasy Grounds again and 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 start utilizing it online, it's definitely going to be that. You know, that would probably be be it for me too. Just because. I I'm really getting into RuneQuest Glorantha and I like Fantasy Grounds but it's it's just the you know the user interface the the learning curve is steep but if the, mm-hmm. something has to pull me back into it and right. that would probably be it. I can go do Call of Cthulhu elsewhere. Right. For as much as I love Call of Cthulhu I can go do it elsewhere. But I can do if I can do RuneQuest Glorantha there that right. could that could be the thing that pulls me back into it. And to be perfectly honest, if there's any game out there that you would want a uh, VTT compendium of to make looking up things easier, it would be RuneQuest without question uh, for me. Uh, just to be able just to you know type something in because every single RuneQuest game that we've played, we're always looking something up um, one for one reason or another because yeah. just the 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 rules haven't stuck in the, you know, the gelatinous goo of our brains yet. So it's, it's constantly just That's like re- referencing, <laughs> referencing stuff. And it's not just the rules. It's also the lore. Uh, there's because, a lot you know, of lore. There's a lot of lore and you, you kind of want to respect it to a certain degree. Uh, so you, we don't, you know, we don't get to, you know, kicked out of Roy's game. Uh, he, yeah, he I don't tolerate- want to kicked out of anybody's game. He tolerates some laughter, but he still wants you to kind of exist within Glorantha, not not Keith Keith and Scott's Glorantha. Yeah, no, no, he wants us to exist in Roy's Glorantha. Yeah, yeah, and your your Glorantha may vary, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be invited to someone else's. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> so um, before we wrap up this segment, yes. Scott, is there I, without mm-hmm. getting too far into yes. into the weeds, are there any other uh, VTTs you want to make any comments about? Right. So, I mean, as Keith said, there's many of them out there and there's come and gone. Uh, there's some that uh, that are coming up and uh, there's there's a couple ones that I know other people have used and they're, and they're pretty cool. Uh, Albert Rodeo. 
Uh, we, we mentioned several times, just something that you can just bring up, browser-based, slap down a map, roll some dice, and just you know have something that's a little bit nicer than a die roller, um, you know, uh, Google's die roller or something. And Albert Rodeo is that. Uh, I know that they've recently updated. They are browser-based. Uh, they didn't they, they didn't require account, so your game was cookies-based, essentially. So it was remembering what you set up on their website, which would be an issue if you cleaned your cookies and it would wipe out your game. So I do think that they currently, I could be wrong, they may be on a subscription model they or they at least may be you know on a uh, username and password model. I haven't used it in a while, but if you're looking for just something that is still a virtual tabletop and you just want something just quick and easy, Boom, you're up and running in like five minutes. Um, the other one that I've been kind of looking at as of recently is uh, called Roll. R-O-L-E. Okay. I mentioned, you know, a game changer for the VTTs are, is, you know, those who are, you're able to, you know, deal with mapping without having to, uh, you know, remember all your geometry classes and, and you know, convert meters to feet and all, all this stuff that none of them really seem to do well. Uh, but, uh but also the ability to make a usable, cool character sheet that works with the type of game that you're running. And Roll has a, I mean, it has a rather big uh, fan base and user base that are making these things, but I was just playing with it earlier and it seems intuitive. You don't have to know how to code an API and, and, and other other aspects of like that, just to make a character sheet. And our, our, our friend of the show, uh, Jay Wall, uh, he recently created one for uh, Dr. Michener's uh, game, Liminal. And it functions and it works, and he made it himself. And, no, it's and, out of the ashes. Oh, out of the ashes, sorry, out of the ashes. I mean, even more so. Um, so that's one I'm going to be looking at more, a little bit more, but... You know, as far as as far as be, be, to be able to create a game without making it look cheap and chintzy because you don't have the technical know how, or requiring a degree in computer science um, in order to make something that's presentable and still keep it simple, um, it the role is something I'm looking at. And they also have uh, licensed stuff. They they have some Odiphius oh, games in there. Yeah, they have some Odiphius stuff in there. Okay. Uh, they have, and they have their, their Mork Borg, um, module or compendium, whatever it's called for them is free. Oh, wow. So yeah. So you can log, log in with roll. You can, you can, you know, get yourself Mork Borg for free and you're up and running, you know, a fully established, uh, version of Mork Borg within seconds. It's, it's like that. So I, I would definitely keep an eye on that. I'm not saying it's the end all to end all cause I haven't spent a lot of time with it, but it's the first one I've seen in a while where I didn't want to get it because they were providing me with a license module. I was, it, it's the one that actually made, Oh wow. I can actually go out and put in whatever game I want to play. And it to be, and it ends up being more than just a dice roller um, or a nice. displayer of maps. So yeah. I might have to check it out. Yeah. So, yep. So yeah, I mean, so that's, that's pretty much it. Well, um, the question was fantastic. And, and I know, like you said, we could go on and on and on and on and on about the history of VTTs. There's many, many out there we haven't covered, so we didn't cover yours. Uh, send us an email. You know, it's, uh, if you have recommendations, uh, you know, uh, shoot us a message, send, send us an email, pop onto the Discord, uh, interact with us. We're hungry for attention. Feed us. I'm joking. Feed the beast. <laughs> but but no, let us know. I mean, I'm sure there's 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 plenty that we missed. There's plenty that that may be coming up uh, out of the woodwork that we're not aware of. Uh, and and also, and I hope we answered your question. This this this, this was great. Uh, I, I yeah. enjoy this. Yeah, please shoot us some emails uh, with questions. That, you know, we're keeping a spreadsheet of uh, topics and questions that are user submitted. We're trying to get to them. Just takes mm-hmm. time. You know, we've got other things we got to slot. So it's a juggling act. So yeah, keep those questions coming. We will get to them eventually. We we are not ignoring anybody or anything. Yeah. Um, so with that, we're going to ride this segment out into the sunset. Yep.
Well, here we are, finally, with a special announcement that we've been working on for some time now. All right! Hey, <laughs> we finally get to announce this thing? Uh, I hope so. It feels like we've been working on it for like a year now. But uh, yeah, it's time to ring the bell and announce that we, the Titter Pigs, are going to be doing a Patreon. Yay! <laughs> So yeah, we we are doing a Patreon. The Titter Pigs are going to be uh, providing to you uh, some special services in exchange for your support in uh, helping us keep this uh, ship afloat. You know, why don't we just go ahead and go to what exactly it is, why we're doing it, and what we're going to be providing to you. All right, let me take you down this road as we as we navigate these waters, right? So for those of you that are new to listening or have been listening to us for any length of time, you know, we try to provide an engaging listening experience for, for you, for us, for our guests, for everybody involved. Uh, our, our goal is to educate people, improve the gaming scene, and provide a, a better gaming community for us, for everybody else. And to do that, we're doing it through the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So to continue doing what we do and enjoying what we do, to keep this ship afloat takes money. Yeah. So we have hosting fees, licenses, and everything else. So with that being said, you know, Scott and I have been shelling out of pocket and we're happy to continue to do so, but we want to take Titter Pigs to the next level. We want to maybe get rid of these ads that we all seem to enjoy. No, (laughs) said no one ever. Uh, So to do that, we need to be able to raise some funds to increase the quality of what we're doing, maybe increase our schedule uh, a little bit more and hopefully, you know, eventually get rid of these ads. Uh, To do that, we are committed to giving you the same things we've been doing all along. High quality, good sound, engaging conversations, maybe the occasional um, actual plays. Those Mm -hmm. seem to be rather popular, but we're not going to overdo those. And, you know, we all we really want to do is be able to offset a little bit of the expenses in in operating this stuff. We're going to continue to shell out of our own pockets. That's just kind of the life of podcasting, right? Right. Yeah. So, Scott, why don't you tell listeners, you know, what's all the two tiers that we have for them to right. consider? Okay. So we we have two tiers. There's there's essentially a basic one and like a an extra basic one, if you will. But uh, we're very basic people. I know. So so I mean, what you're going to get is is general access to us, uh, which is fair, which is primarily what you get with any sort of a you know Patreon subscription. You will also get early access to every single one of our episodes, uh, whether it be video, audio, or or even both. They will be ad free. Uh, one of the things that we've changed on Anchor is uh, the services uh, now have ad placements in them, and if you would like to listen to it early and without and without ads, you'll be able to do that on Patreon. Uh, likewise, you'll assist with us in uh, topic subjects and, and other things that uh, we're going to be discussing and talking about uh, during uh, during any one of our episodes of, uh, of Titter Pigs. Of course, you're going to get a shout out, the occasional shout out, um, depending on how many patrons we have. And uh, if you move up to the uh, to the second tier, this is going to include everything that I've mentioned. And likewise, a little bit of... Uh, extra things. Like Keith had mentioned, the occasional limitation to a uh, Let's Play. Uh, We've considered things like extra engagement with our guests, um, maybe special appearances, things things such as that. Nothing set in stone, but um, primarily it's going to give you even more access to us. One of the things that Keith and I talked about is um, bloopers and stuff. We cut out so much crap that is hilarious, but we don't want to... Oh my God, do we ever. Yeah, we don't want to air our dirty laundry. Uh, But... You know that dirty laundry is for sale. Uh, so, <laughs> so if if you if you would like to hear, you know, all the things that gets dropped to the uh, cutting room floor, then definitely uh, you know sign up for the Patreon. But um, but yeah, I, I, I mean that's kind of in a nutshell. You can see more information uh, if you go to uh, Patreon.com. Uh, we'll have a link in the episode here. Uh, it's we're very easy to find. We're the only titter pigs there. There we is we are on the titter pigs. Let's right. let's be very clear about that. But the but the direct link will take you there. But it is patreon.com slash titter pigs, and it'll right. take you right to our page. Uh, you can read all about what it is that we want to do, plan to mm-hmm. do, expectations, our commitment, a little bit mm-hmm. of our backstory on titter pigs, everything you need to know about us. For those that don't know much about us yet. Right. Uh, you can learn more about us there, and then you can see the 
the two tiers that we have, and we'd be honored to have your support. Yes. Yeah. So I guess in conclusion, give us your money. Yeah. (laughs) But until Uh, then, happy gaming, and we hope you listen to the next episode. Absolutely. Take care, everyone. Thank you.